0: Chapter thirty-four considering crucifixions cold sweat prickled my skin as I bent to look at the blood-spattered stave once more the curse Bramland spoke must have had a terrifying effect on the sage and troopers detonating in their midst as violent and unexpected as a bomb yet like a pestilent mosquito the evil unleashed by a curse needs a moment to take its bearings find its target before gripping on if dealt with swiftly a curse can be defeated Bramland would have been seized the instant he uttered his awful words the cleansing begun immediately three people the prescribed number would have carried out the bloody task of cracking the curse. Standing in a circle around them, their comrades would have recited prayers and dabbed their fingers in the hot, sticky, spilling, splatting blood. Word would have been sent to Admiral Jack, requesting permission for the final part of the ritual, death by crucifixion. After the fury of the beating, Whilst waiting Admiral Jack's response, the troopers would have sung hymns, burned sage, made offerings to the divinities. Bramland's more gruesome wounds would be patched up, it being an ill omen and bad manners for the condemned to die before crucifixion. For it is crucifixion that allows an observer the time to contemplate the agony and awfulness of those punished for the highest crime under military jurisdiction, aiding the enemy. And no viler form of help can be given to the enemy than cursing troops about to go into combat. With other forms of betrayal, execution takes place on Flesher's Haw, a wide grassy bank beside a river in Algalma's Great Forest Cavern. It may be months before the sentence is carried out. The season has to be neither too hot nor too cold. Extremes of temperature unduly speed up the death of the crucified person. A small temporary camp has to be set up for those troopers chosen by lot who will witness his slow death. And of course, the condemned has the right to appeal to a military tribunal in the hope that the sentence be commuted to a more instantaneous form of killing. In contrast, the crucifixion of someone guilty of cursing is a swifter and often more DIY affair, with troopers using whatever material is at hand, planks, metal frames, even simply bolting the villain to a wall. Admiral Jack would have known this as she hurried to the scene of the crime And it's cleansing. As I pictured the Admiral pushing through the troopers to look at their victim, I suddenly realised, as doubtless Admiral Jack had, the full and awful implications of Bramlint's broken body. Blood spattered staves held in the hands of Talav and her two cohorts had not simply pounded down on the soft, sad bag of skin and blood that is a human body, they equally struck against the very structure of sage and power. For whilst the clubbing of a cursor is a lawful and religious duty, the injuring of any temple official. Isn't itself a serious crime, the harming of a priest even more so? But the most serious act of blasphemy of all is to harm an augur, the punishment for which is death. I slumped down on the floor, looked from the stave to the small altar, where Esbeth still smiled her coy, fuck me, fuck me, smile at space whilst the Queen of the Universe affected to look serene and untroubled. Shit, I whispered, then nodded an apology at the divinities. The crucifixion had been delayed. Gallius had sent Kalkani to defend Bramlant. Yet if Bramlant was found to be innocent, I had no doubt Gallius would demand full retribution against those had beaten his fellow augur would i then have to sign the execution papers for talav and her comrades a refusal on my behalf would surely lead to the augurs withholding their prayers for the sage and family and its domains no temple would be allowed to accept offerings on behalf of myself my military and my administrators with access to the divinities denied to me Every crackpot with a grudge could take a swipe at me and mine, knowing my person and my possessions were no longer sacrosanct. A fearful chill burrowed into my meat and bones. And with a sudden and vivid flashback, I saw again the frightful reaction of Iftik and the bullet pod just after receiving Estelle's veiled message. I understood now. That if Dick had already known about Bramland's curse and beating. Had known a terrible flaw was threatening to rip apart the foundations of sage and power. And then, without warning, he had received a cryptic communication from Estella that could only mean that something else had happened, this time on Enfeshka. Something so awful that Estella had only managed to send a cryptic signal before shutting down all communications with the Sajin Palace complex. What could be so bad? I asked the three gods before me, struggling to my feet and bending closer to the altar. The divinities remained mute. I stood there, my bladder swelling with fear and trepidation. Trembling on the edge of panic, I found myself muttering the words of a song popular with drunken, teary eyed military veterans. Well, there's things we know that mess things up, and things we know we don't know that are just as contrary. But worst by far are the unknown unknowns. Those bastards are truly fucking scary. I sang the song quietly and then again with greater gusto, aware as I sang of a faint and nebulous recollection moving beneath the words. I thanked the gods for surely it was they who had sent the song to me, then made my apologies. Sorry, I need to piss. And after another hasty examination I found that a narrow closet contained the toilet. My urine drummed against metal as I hummed the song once more. Afterwards, I sat on the small sofa again, calm, thoughtful. Two catastrophes threatened to crash down on me. The origin of one, the beating of Bramland, was known to me. The nature of the other remained for the moment an unknown, unknown I had no responsibility for either event, or so I believed. Yet I was the focus of both. Like a bull's eye in some drunken cosmic game waiting for the sharp darts of fate to slam into me. Aye, but there was the nub of the matter right there. For too long I had been waiting, idling, whilst others ran my affairs as if I were an idiot child in need of protection. I stood up, gave a little bow to the divinities. There'll be no more waiting for me, I declared. No more if holding my hand whilst blackness threatens to swallow me. I am a sage and prince. I closed my eyes took a long, deep breath, thought of the songs and stories of old soldiers, their tales of heroism and wondrous deeds, of bitter wounds and awful dyings, of victories transformed in an instant into savage defeats, and likewise tales of sudden and miraculous escapes from disaster, Beneath my musings, that vague memory stirred like a partly hidden flatfish sending puffs of sand up through the water. Slowly, as I sat there, minute grains of recollection began to coalesce into something tangible. Not just a memory, but a possible plan. I opened my eyes, looked around the room feeling good. I picked up the coffee flask, but the coffee was all gone. Shit, I laughed, another fucking catastrophe. I found Talab's intercom, flicked a toggle and declared, I am awake, attend to me now. Thanks for listening to this latest chapter of Marcus, Marcus and Hurting Heart. Stay tuned for future chapters and mind tell your friends and relations and ancient enemies about the podcast. If you want to know more about my work, you can follow me on rapfultonstories.weebly.com My Instagram is at Celtic Tales Galway and my Twitter is at Havering